When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to Edge Rush, presented by the Hammer Betting Network. I am your host, Eric Pauly, and as always on the Edge Rush show, I am joined by professional sports bettors, Hitman and TA from Cleve Analytics to break down every single game on the NFL slate this upcoming week. Of course, we are in week 13, and I'm very excited to be here with these two guys. We'll start with you, Hitman. How are you? How was your week 12? Pretty good. Um... It was nice to have the three Thursday games on Thanksgiving and then um, go into Sunday and had a decent week. So um, can't complain. Definitely cannot. How are you doing, T.A.? Good. This is a great slate this week. I'm excited. So many good storylines. It's probably the best week of the season. When you look at some of the matchups and and all the kind of off the field stuff, the the storylines, it's going to be a fun, fun week. So I'm looking forward to it. Very exciting week. Definitely better than last week, which uh, had some underwhelming matchups, but we have some big games on the slate this week. So let's get right into it. Thursday night football, the New England Patriots hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Patriots, of course, lost that Thanksgiving game to the Vikings. The Buffalo Bills barely got past the Detroit Lions in regulation, but they looked uh, like a decent team going forward. Now, this line has come down from an open of five and a half to sitting four and three and a half, a lot of chops. Total sitting pretty at 43 and a half, mostly everywhere. We'll start with you here, TA. What do you think of this line movement and what do you think of this game? I'm baffled by this line movement. I, I so I, I took the bills yesterday at four and a half. I didn't think it would get any lower than this. And I'm completely baffled. Um, I don't understand it. Uh, maybe Hitman can can explain it to me. Like when I look at this matchup, you know, we saw it last week. I was on the Patriots, and you know, that defense was awful. Um this is the number one EPA defense, but when you start to dig into the numbers and you look back at, you know, it goes all the way back to last year, their, their EPA, some of their advanced metrics are completely inflated by how they just completely beat down the really bad offenses that they face. So when you, and I couldn't believe this when I looked it up, I I have an entire season game log uh, of all the EPA performances from every team and three of the six worst offensive EPA performances this season in the NFL have come against the Patriots on defense. Uh, Sam Ellinger, Zach Wilson, uh, Jared Goff, when he's outdoors and didn't have any of his weapons, didn't have DeAndre Swift. Those those three offenses were, were three of the six worst games that the NFL has seen this season, uh, and they were all against the Patriots. And, you know, you go back to last year, they did the same thing. Like when they've got a bad offense and a bad quarterback, you know, Bill Belichick just – he completely sucks the life out of them and the performances are just complete beatdowns. And so those numbers are driving this, um, you know, number one in quotes ranked defense, but when they face any, you know, quality offense or, you know, any sort of uh, quarterback who can make plays. So Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, you know, Kirk cousins last week, even Aaron Rodgers, all of those offenses have put up big points. I think they've all put up at least 30 against them. 
um, the uh, the Ravens and the the uh, Bears put up the second best offensive performances they've had on any team all season against these Patriots. You know, again, we saw Minnesota put up three, 30 plus last week. They struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And I've talked about this before, you know, similar to you know, Nick Saban is the same way at Alabama. You know, they always talk about how Johnny Manziel and all these mobile mm-hmm. quarterbacks give them problems. Same thing with uh, with New England and Belichick because he, he trains these defenders in such a way. They're like robots, right? Like they know exactly where to be. Um, they, they know exactly the, the positions to to be in. They know where to go. But when the play breaks down or when, you know, a quarterback is, is kind of out of the pocket and they've got to uh, use their athleticism, they're not the they're not they're not the best athletes in, in, in the NFL, and so they struggle kind of out, out in space. And you know we've seen Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields put up you know eighty five and one hundred seven against them. Uh, we saw Josh Allen uh, last year. I mean, if you eliminate that one game where it was essentially hurricane level wins, um, the Bills have beaten the Patriots by thirty, twelve, and twenty nine the last three games. Um, Josh Allen had one of the best games we've ever seen in NFL playoff history in that wild card game. Like he has never really stopped Josh Allen in the last couple of years. So I'm not sure. I I don't understand why, you know, the Patriots are getting this much respect. And the other side of the ball, Mac Jones had a really good game last week, but you know, he was in a controlled environment in the dome against the worst pass defense in the NFL. When you look at uh, yards per attempt allowed, the Vikings are really bad, and they were missing uh, their number two, number three, uh, and number four cornerbacks outside of Patrick Peterson. So they were really hurt. I mean, he played well, but again, that's it. for a, a weaker arm quarterback, being in a dome like that really does help him. You will saw it with Kenny Pickett on Monday night. Like these guys that don't have the strong arms, it really helps to be in that dome. Now he has to go back outdoors against a really good defense. Um, and the Bills are getting healthy. They get Tredavious White, who only played 15 snaps last week. He's going to get a full allotment this week. They do lose Von Miller, but they get back Gregory Rousseau. Uh, and that helps lessen that blow. Um, they get uh, Edmonds back at linebacker. So they've got most of their guys back, and I just think that this is uh, this is a game that the, 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 the Bills can get right. I think from a market perspective, you know, look, they were minus two and a half just uh, – uh, few weeks ago against the the Chiefs on the road and they and they covered that game. Now you're telling me they're laying three and a half in New England. Like I know they're not playing as well as they were earlier in the season, but it's still a team that is um that can do some damage. They they were blowing out the Vikings and that needed a miracle comeback a few weeks ago. You know, they beat the Browns essentially by double digits before um Brissett led a last second kind of backdoor cover. Um, you know, they, they didn't play great last week. They still scored 28 points on offense. Like this is still a good team. So long winded answer, but I, I think this line movement doesn't make any sense. There's unless there's something I'm missing. There's no evidence that Belichick can slow down Josh Allen. And I think this defense is overrated. So I've got the bills and I'm going to you know suck it up and I got a bad number, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Very interesting. The Patriots showing some issues defensively on special teams as well, which is very, you know, unlike a Bill Belichick coach team. Hitman, are you agreeing that this line movement is kind of out of the blue, or do you see something that's making you understand kind of why this line's coming down? I, I don't really have an opinion on the game, but I kind of understand why it's coming down. And I, I agree with a, a lot that TA said about that Belichick doesn't match up as well against these mobile quarterbacks and that just Buffalo in general, they've had their number other than that one win game. So I agree with all that, but I just I think that the reason that the line has moved down so much 
is probably just some anti-Bills opinions in the market. They're, they're going to be without their left tackle, Deion Dawkins, for this game. Von Miller, obviously, is going to be out for this game. Um, Tredavious White, they say they're going to ramp him up a little bit more, but probably still not 100% for Buffalo. And Josh Allen, I mean, he's he hasn't looked the same to me since the injury. I mean, he's still a very good player because before the injury, he was the best or second-best quarterback in the league. So even a Josh Allen that's just playing a little bit worse than that is still a tremendous player. But I know that his completion percentage has really dipped in the past few weeks. He's not putting up the type of passing numbers that we're used to. So uh, I think that the reason for the money that has come in on New England is probably just a little more anti-Buffalo because if you don't have Josh Allen playing like as Superman, I mean, the roster isn't like, – it's a decent, it's a solid roster. Don't get me wrong. But without other than Stephon Diggs, there's not amazing weapons on Buffalo. You're without your left tackle. And now your defense has some missing pieces as well. So I kind of understand it. But with that said, I agreed with a lot TA said about the matchup issues and all that. So a long way for me to say that the game is a pass for me. But I think that might be the logic behind the people that are on New England for this game. Yeah, certainly understandable. And of course, I don't think this is something that will move the line, but it is a must win kind of for the Patriots in this AFC playoff hunt. Of course, it's not over, but getting this win would definitely boost their chances of making a playoff run for the Patriots. And the Bills themselves also could certainly use a win to leapfrog the Dolphins in the AFC East. But now headed to another AFC East team, headed to Minnesota, the team that just beat the Vikings, uh, the New York Jets. Going to Minnesota, this line is sitting at Vikings minus three, total 44 and a half. Not too much movement on the spread. The total actually opened at 42. Mike White, again, he, of course, impressed last week, but he did do it against the Bears defense, which, again, kind of how impressive is that becomes the question. Uh, just an interesting, interesting game, though, because I think the Jets will be able to get some pressure on Kirk Cousins. And I'm very interested to see what you guys have to say because I really – don't feel either way about this game. We'll go to you again, TA. Jets, Vikings, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think the line's right. It's interesting. Um, you know, so the, the Patriots closed two and a half last week, and now we have the Jets at three. So, uh, you know, uh, we're saying essentially these are pretty even teams with Mike White. You know, I was on the Jets early last week. Um, and then you know, obviously that line went all the way over, went above seven when Peterman was supposedly going to start. Uh, but Mike White looked really good and he killed zone defense last year as well. Um, in that Cincinnati game, he just dink and dunk them to death. And um, I know Eber Flus plays a lot of zone. Uh, so he faced that last week as well. And we know the Vikings play as much zone as any team in the NFL. So I think from, I think they're going to move the ball. I mean, as I mentioned, the Vikings are dead last in yards per attempt allowed through the air. Um, and so, you know, they could get pressure on him, uh, but you know, they're, they're exploitable in that secondary. I think we're going to see some points here. Uh, I think the, the matchup between sauce Gardner and Justin Jefferson is must watch TV. I can't wait to see that. Uh, I want to see if sauce can really step up his game. So, cause if he's able to slow, slow down Jefferson, then, you know, that changes things. You know, I don't know what, what Hitman's thoughts are, uh, potentially an Adam Thielen, uh, prop situation, um, if Sauce is, you know, able to uh, kind of shut down Jefferson enough, 
but you know that's you know one potential angle. I think the over has got taken some money, which I think, like I said, what I think is interesting because I think that both teams will be able to move the ball, even though the the Jets will be able to get some pressure. I, I think this you know this Vikings offense is good enough to uh, to move it. So uh, fun game, but I, I don't have a position right now. But I might look at you know Adam Thielen from a from a prop perspective. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, Sauce Garner, that is must see TV. Hitman, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know what the the thing is with um, with the props on this game. I don't know how much Gardner is going to end up being on Justin Jefferson. I I'm almost positive that Gardner usually just plays one side of the field because they have another quality corner in Reed yeah. on DJ the other Reed. side. Yeah, and I was seeing that Jefferson typically lines up um, not across where Gardner will be. So I mean, Thielen's been a guy that. I was looking to play unders on most weeks, and that was just because when since Hawkinson came, Thielen was losing a lot of opportunity, and he was just getting there on volume. And the reason he had he had the volume was because the Vikings had so many pass attempts, and and against Washington and against Buffalo, but then last week against New England, then he he goes off. So I mean, I, I really don't got a strong prop opinion on that. Um, as far as the game. I'm seeing some two and a halfs, one twenties are out there now. Three, even monies. Um, I, I have value on Minnesota, personally. Um, I'm not sold on Mike White. I mean, Mike White, his he has a sub seven yard average depth of target, which only him and Colt McCoy have that over a hundred dropbacks the last two seasons. So, I mean, he's dinking and dunking teams down the field. And I understand that he's playing against a Vikings team that plays a lot of zone and all that. But we even got to see um, last year where he had that one game against Buffalo where everybody, or excuse me, against Cincinnati, where everybody said, my, Hey, Mike White's arrived. He's going to be this franchise quarterback. And then he plays another game against Buffalo and he throws zero touchdowns, four picks. And we, we don't even hear about him again until last week. And if you watch that game last week, it was some of the worst tackling I think I've ever seen from a, a defense. And it is a Chicago Bears league worst defense that he was going up against. So, I mean, I think that he's a slight upgrade over Zach Wilson. Don't get me wrong, but I do think that eventually Mike White gets exposed. I mean, just look at the roster also around him. I mean, you're playing with now a third string running back in all likelihood and Zonovan Knight who I know he had a good game against Chicago, but still um, their receivers are decent, but the O-line still missing a lot of guys from the offseason that, that were projected starters for this team. So, I mean, I, I know Minnesota has been disrespected in market a ton from people saying that they're a fraudulent team compared to their record. And I've said it a hundred times. Yes, they're not as good as their record, but I also – I'm not sure that they're essentially the market's essentially saying they're an even team with the Jets are very close, maybe a half point better than the Jets. And for me, there's just a further gap from Minnesota to the Jets. So personally, I like Minnesota in this one. Gotcha. And understandably so. I mean, Mike White still has a lot of impressing to do. I know the Jets fans, especially on Twitter and whatnot, are praising him to be, you know, the, this is the Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady situation. Let's all relax. Let's see what happens. He now has to face a good Vikings team. And if he does show that he has some some game in this one, I think maybe we can give him some more credit. But 
Certainly too early to be all in on Mike White and his ability to lead this Jets team deep into the postseason. Moving on to another game. Now, this is a matchup where uh, probably won't be the most exciting game. The Denver Broncos headed to the bank to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, the Ravens blew that big lead that they had against the Jaguars in the last couple of seconds last week while the Broncos fell to the Panthers in Carolina and does not get too much more worse than that. Ravens line is sitting at Baltimore minus eight and a half. Some eights out there. Total very low, understandably so. 38 and a half. We'll go to you to start, Hitman. Obviously, Broncos and Russ uh, are dead in the water here. Is eight points too many, or how are you viewing this game? I like Baltimore in a teaser to to get some exposure to them. Um, uh, We mentioned in previous weeks with Baltimore, TA and I both mentioned that Baltimore is not exactly the team that I'm just racing to, to ask to win by big margin just because of the lack of pass catchers that they have right now. And even last week, I think they dropped like two or three touchdowns in that game against Jacksonville, which really ended up costing them. So uh, for me, I like Baltimore in a teaser. And then another thing about, about Denver is their pass defense has been pretty good year to date, but their run defense has struggled. So you could theoretically see a game plan where Baltimore is just going to run the heck out of the ball against them and they might not need to throw a ton. So for, for me, um, don't love asking Baltimore to win by essentially double digits, but I do think that it makes a pretty good teaser leg. Yeah, no, can certainly see that. Something to note as well, though, Lamar Jackson showing up with a brief injury today. Status unknown for Sunday. Yeah, he's playing. I'm not worried. It's every every single day he has a new ill. <laughs> he, he has to have something wrong with him where he's just sick every single day, right? Yeah, certainly. He's got a little quad limited in practice. Of course, we have some time for him to heal that up and be out there for this game. Uh, T.A., uh, teaser angle. For the Ravens, of course, would make some sense. Minus two and a half, have three locked and loaded. Uh, are you viewing it similarly, or do you have a different approach to this matchup? Yeah, not much to add. I mean, he's exactly right. I think everything he said, it's, you know, I think it's pretty safe. Baltimore should win. Um, it's just, can they cover that number um, in a low-scoring environment against a good defense where they don't have any sort of explosive offensive players uh, outside of Mark Andrews? And so, yeah, I think it's teaser, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, there's really not much more to it. I mean, it's it could end up being a similar game as we saw a couple of weeks ago when the Ravens, what they beat Carolina 13 to three, kind of that type of you know, Denver Carolina are pretty similar. So, um, you know, to me, it's teaser and that's about it. Yeah, no, certainly see why. Uh, not a game where, like you said, winning by margin for Baltimore, eight, eight and a half points certainly seems like too many, but of course, I don't think many people are still running to the counter put down bets on the Denver Broncos moving to a game that I think is an underrated game on the slate the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers Atlanta coming off that last drive lost to the commanders way through an interception when they were knocking on the goal line to potentially or they were going to take the lead and win that football game then the Steelers are coming off a big road win on Monday night football against the Indianapolis Colts now this line has kind of completely flipped the Falcons opened at minus two now I'm seeing some PKs, a lot of Pittsburgh minus ones out there. Total still sitting at the 42 uh, that it opened at, some 42 and a half there. We'll go back to UTA. Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons. How are you viewing this one? 
Yeah, I don't have a side right now. I think it's a it's a good matchup. I, I know that there was some sharp money on Pittsburgh yesterday. That's why the line uh, essentially flipped, but it looks like it's going back the other way. Uh, I, I think on one hand, this Pittsburgh team, and I tweeted about it before the indie game. I had Pittsburgh in a teaser. Um, they actually they've played easily the toughest schedule in the NFL. And when you look at if you look at some of the football outsider numbers, um, if you use that as a proxy for you know, uh, level of opponent that they had only faced one team worse than 14th in the NFL uh, from a DVOA perspective. And that was the Saints who were 25th, I believe. Uh, and they won that game by double digits. And then they faced the Colts who were 31st going into the game Monday. So that was like a huge sigh of relief, if you will, for, for Pittsburgh. They went from facing just, just juggernaut after juggernaut to, um, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL with the Colts, and, and you saw them get the win. Kenny Pickett looked pretty good in the dome. Obviously, you get a dome situation here. Uh, I think the there I did see that TJ Watt um, either it was limited or didn't practice today with an injury. Um, also, you know, not that Najee Harris matters at all, but he, he may or may not play. Um, you know, this is an interesting from an angle perspective. Uh, it's rare that you get a team going on the road for Monday night football and then going on the road again the next week on a short week. That's a really tough kind of um, rest situation. And that's what the Steelers are doing. Uh, we saw actually Washington two weeks ago did that and then they, they destroyed the, the Texans. So really didn't matter there, but obviously a much different level of opponent here with the Falcons. Uh, those teams um, are 18 and 24 against the spread. So just about 42%. Um, in the last 20 years or so, if, it, if it's past week seven, when they get later in the year and stamina and rest matters more, that figure drops to, to about 39% against the spread. So it's it's a little bit, you know, it's from a spot perspective, it's a little bit tougher. So that's maybe the only thing that might, you know, kind of uh, sway you against Pittsburgh. But I think on the field, um, you know, the Steelers, Steelers play pretty well and they've got a good defense, obviously now with, with Watt in there and a, and a healthy make of Fitzpatrick. Uh, I will say the thing with the, the Falcons are just tough to project. I mean, they just stay in every game, especially at home. I mean, they played really well at home. I don't think they've lost any game um, by more than a couple points at home. And so they've either won or, or they've covered essentially all of them. So, you know, they're tough in the dome. So I, I don't know, to me, this is a, this is a, a toss up and I'm just not you know, I don't love backing the Steelers to essentially, you know, you got to you got to win the game here. I'd rather have them as a dog. Uh, but I think if you can get uh, one of these teams in a teaser spot again, there's going to be a ton of good teaser opportunities. And I think this would be one, too. Either way, I think either side um, getting if they can get to one and a half and you get that long teaser. Uh, I think it's a good look, but you know, nothing from a from a side or total perspective for me. Yeah, no, certainly agree with you there. The Falcons impressed last week on the ground going against the stout Washington run defense and still was able to run the ball down their throat. We know that they're not even going to really try to attempt too many passes against the Steelers team with Watt coming off the edge. So it would certainly be an interesting matchup here. Uh, Hitman, do you agree that, you know, this is priced properly or are you looking or are you thinking one of these teams is being undervalued? And is there anything you like in this matchup? I agree with the look on Atlanta and a teaser. Let, let me ask you, T.A., real, real quick. Um, the Steelers closed a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Indy. Well, what do you have the difference power rating-wise from the Colts to the Falcons? Like, for me, it's not much. Like, do you agree with that? It's Yeah, it's about, one, you know, one-and-a-half, two points. Maybe Atlanta's better on a neutral. You, you think Atlanta's better than Indy? 
I think, you know, by about a point and a half, yeah. Not, not mean, by much. It's not by, by much, but maybe by point. Yeah, out. but I mean, I think then if you think Atlanta is better than Indy or the teams are comparable, just compare. I mean, last week, Pittsburgh's getting two and a half in Indy. Right. Now they're laying one in Atlanta. Right. You know, like, I think you're definitely paying a premium if you're looking to back Pittsburgh in this game. And I, I like Atlanta because I have some line value on them, but I I just ended up playing a, a six and a half point teaser with Atlanta to get them to seven and a half. But I think that Atlanta, they'll probably end up being a contest pick of mine as long as they're still pick them or, or plus one. Yeah, I was looking yeah. at the Falcons as well. Uh, Tia, what are you going to say? Yeah, sorry. You know, so so for me, like I've always said, I don't necessarily use power ratings. So when when uh, you asked me that question, just from a high level, but from a matchup perspective, you know, the Steelers are a really good run defense, and so we know that Atlanta is very run heavy. So even though I think that um, you know Atlanta is a little bit better than the Colts because the Steelers are are match up well from that perspective, that they can stop the 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 Atlanta run game you know, that kind of evens the playing field. So that's, you know, so it's a little bit different than just saying that I think Atlanta is, you know, compared to Indy, you know, a uh, point and point and that better. It's just for me, a matchup base. That's why I wouldn't take, wouldn't take either side here. Yeah, no, certainly agree. It is a close one looking like you will be able to potentially find throughout before Sunday's kickoff, a one and a half point dog as Atlanta. You could tease that up if that's the line you're looking to get at. Uh, I personally like the Falcons at one and a half. And then before I put any action, I saw that line flip, so I was glad I didn't lose any value there. But I'm personally still leaning toward Atlanta in that matchup. But heading into one of the best games on the slate, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off that tough loss against the Bengals at home this past week, while the Eagles took care of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday Night Football. This line opened at six, sitting five, five and a half most places. Total 44, sitting 44 and a half most places. We'll start with you here, Hitman. Anything from a side total prop perspective in this game or how are you viewing this one? Not much. Um, I figured that this line was going to come down because you saw a lot of money. You know, a lot of money has been coming against the Eagles the past few weeks now that I think about it. I remember last year the Eagles were just getting bet constantly in the market. There was a group that was pounding Philly week to week seemingly. And now you look at the last few weeks and money came against them at Indianapolis. Money came against them at Green Bay. I think I believe Philly closed only a six-point favorite in that game, home against Green Bay. And now mm-hmm. some money's coming in against them this week. And I'll just have to say, I mean, if, if Green Bay closed six in Philly, we know the Titans are probably at least a point better than Green Bay at least. So – I can I can see why the money's come in. Um, I don't got much in this game, but I just thought it was interesting that Philly now for three consecutive weeks, money has been coming in against them. Yeah, no, certainly very interesting. The Tennessee Titans, of course, lost last week, but we're on a streak covering the spread, feeling disrespected by the market and showing Mike Variable showing uh, why he's one of the better head coaches in the National Football League. T.A., you agree with Hitman that, you know, the money's coming on Tennessee and you think the line's going to drop or how are you viewing this one? Yeah, I, I like the uh, the Titans here. And I've been normally, a, a, you know, I've been fading the Titans. I was on the Bengals last week. and um, But this is, you know, they say styles make fights. And this really fits that because I think from a power rating perspective, you can easily 
think that the five and a half is is just right. Uh, but I think when you look at the matchup uh, and you analyze the specific matchup, it's just, I mean, this is a perfect matchup for the Titans. You know, they've got an Eagles offense that loves to run the ball. We saw what they did against the Packers last week. It was an embarrassing performance by that Packers defense. It's like they didn't know that Jalen Hurts likes to run the ball. It, it made no sense. A Mike Vrabel defense is not going to be caught off guard. They're going to be ready. And, you know, the Titans are the number one run defense in the NFL. And we've seen the Eagles face uh, four other teams. Uh, well, three other teams. We played Washington twice who are top 10 in run defense. Uh, and that those are the four worst uh, rush EPA performances from Philly all season long. Uh, and they were two and two against the spread in those games, only averaged 21 points. We saw, I mean, it was, it's very similar to what, to me, the Titans are the, the commanders on steroids defensively, right? Um, they stop the run. They're not as great against the pass, but they do a really good job of, uh, of stopping the run. They get pressure and they, you know, they're going to be in the right spots. And so I think they're going to be able to slow down this Philly run offense. Um, and, you know, without Dallas Goddard, who I, I think, is going to be missed in the, in the passing game, especially on third downs. You know, I think that uh, that the Titans will be able to, to hold off um, the Eagles offense just enough. And the other side of the ball, Eagles still can't stop the run, even though they've got, you know, Dominican soon and, and Linval Joseph last week, we still saw, um, still saw the Packers run the ball for five yards per carry. Uh, and they had a really good run attack against them. Uh, so I think that, you know, they're going to be able to control the clock here with Derrick Henry Um they are going to be able to run the ball uh, in the middle of the field. And they also had a, a kind of an underrated loss in the secondary. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they got from the safety, who they got from the Saints. He's been essentially a, a key chess piece in uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense. Um, they've been moving him all over the field. Uh, he's actually been – he led the, the team in tackles two weeks ago against the Colts. Uh, he plays in the slot. So he's he's out. So is Avante Maddox, who is their slot corner. He, he's been out for a couple of weeks now. So they're vulnerable in the secondary. And so I think that middle of the field will be open. Uh, I, I think it's just enough uh, for me to take the Titans here. And then, you know, look, Vrabel is an underdog. He's just been absolute money. He's the best underdog coach in the NFL. This team is well prepared. I mean, they're 16 and six against the spread um, when getting over a field goal with a cover margin of seven and a half points. It's just an insane number. I mean, they've won 14 of those 16 games outright that they've covered. So uh, I think that, you know, they're definitely a live dog. We've seen the Eagles have been vulnerable the last few weeks. There's no reason to believe that, you know, Tennessee won't be in this game. So not only do I like Tennessee here with the points, I, I would sprinkle a little little money line as well. I totally agree with you there that the Titans are certainly a live dog. King Henry going to Philly seems like he could definitely – ground and pound this Eagles defense. And either way, though, that should certainly be one of the best games on the 1 p.m. slate for this weekend. But moving on to a very interesting matchup, the Detroit Lions hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars coming off that great last-minute win. Trevor Lawrence put together a game-winning drive, probably his best quarter of football in the NFL. You have the Lions who hung around with the Buffalo Bills all game long, but due to some coaching and the clock mismanagement they were unable to shut the door on the buffalo bills and even get that game to overtime to let up that last second field goal to lose it on thanksgiving line open as lions pk but now it's looking more so at jacksonville minus one still some pks out there so i guess the market hasn't fully settled for this one we'll go back to you ta jaguars lions where do you think this line's going to go 
I mean, I think it's just going to, I think the Jags will close favorite. Uh, I think it's a wise guy <laughs> team. Uh, it's a sharp team. Like people that dig into the, the numbers that don't look at win loss record. Uh, they know that the Jags are uh, an above average team. So I think they'll close short favorite. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I, as soon as I saw this line on Monday, I jumped on uh, the Jags uh, in the teaser leg. So I had Steelers at plus two and a half. Uh, Monday night brought them up to eight and a half, uh, won that leg, and then I then I've got the other side with with Jacksonville at plus seven and a half in the teaser, so that's gone um, unfortunately. So you know if I were to play this, you know uh, I would take, you know I still think Jacksonville straight up is still a decent side, but I just I I thought that the the teaser leg was safe, and actually to be honest, I think both legs of the either the Lions or the Jags. Uh, similar to the Falcons Steelers, I think are decent teaser legs. So, um, you know, I think this is, this is inevitable to be a close game. Both of these teams play tight games. Uh, they both play really hard. They've got advantages. You know, neither defense is really all that great. Um, and so I, I think it will be a fun, kind of a sticky fun game. But, I mean, the Jags have seven losses and only two were by more than uh, seven and a half points. The Eagles by eight, the Chiefs by ten. They don't. They just don't get blown out. And obviously the lines are not in that category. So I think from a teaser perspective, that's why I like them at, at that point. Um, you know, the Lions still is their defense still are one of the worst in the NFL. And Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, is playing well. So I think they're gonna be able to score on them. Um, but I think the Lions will score as well. So I think it's gonna be a, a nice back and forth game. And uh, if you could get, you know, said either either leg um in a teaser is not bad. And I think Jacksonville, you know, straight up and if you're looking at picks pick 'em pools or whatever, I think that's the side. Yeah, certainly with a total of 51 and a half points, we can certainly uh, think we can expect to see some scoring from both of these teams in Detroit at Ford Field this weekend. Talk to me, Hitman, how you view this one. Yeah, I agree with what T.A. said. I thought Jacksonville was a really good teaser leg early in the week. Maybe the line does come back. I mean, the line moved because of a release that moved it, but maybe it does come back. I lean towards Jacksonville against the spread as well. Um Big story for me has been Trevor Lawrence. The last three games, 77% completion, six touchdowns, no picks, 8.7 yards per attempt. Like, he's absolutely balling right now. And if he continues to play like that, this Jacksonville team, probably power rating-wise, is going to be close to at least average if Lawrence can keep playing like this. And he certainly has a pedigree to, to keep it going. So, for me, lean Jacksonville against the spread might be a contest pick of mine. And if the uh, the line does come back, then I like him in a teaser. Yeah, no, certainly can see why Trevor Lawrence finally looking like the number one overall pick from two years ago. Of course, that Urban Meyer season last year, hard to consider the rookie year. As you saw, one of his teammates in the locker room mentioned that and the postgame press conference. The team plays hard. They rally around their quarterback and their coach. As do the Lions, not maybe not Jared Goff, but it seems like they play hard for Dan Campbell as well. So will be an exciting game going on in Detroit. But moving on to one of the matchups with one of the biggest implications for the postseason, the New York Giants hosting the Washington Commanders this weekend. I will be in attendance at this game, and I cannot wait for this one. Uh, Daniel Jones has a great history going against the Commanders. However, as TA and I discussed, on day two day yesterday, the Giants may be dealing with some injuries to their offensive line, which of course is not great when facing this Washington Commanders defensive front. This game opened at Commanders minus one, and they're now sitting at two and a half point favorites. The total was 41, now sitting really at 40 and a half. We'll go back to you, Hitman, Commanders, Giants. What are you seeing here? 
Line value on the Giants, in my opinion. I mean, I can't get to the point where Washington is essentially, we're saying with this, probably three, three and a half points better than the Giants. I, I can't get to that point. What ultimately probably keeps me off of it is just the matchup of this defensive line against this Giants offensive line and definitely monitor the offensive line injuries for the Giants. I know they were missing a ton of starters against Dallas. Might get some of those guys back. But this Washington defensive line, I mean, they're probably getting Chase Young back. They've been one of the best run defenses in the league this year, which going against Barkley is pretty much Giants' only weapon that's concerning for the Giants. And you have to anticipate that they're probably going to be able to get pressure on Daniel Jones. So for me, even though my numbers do support the Giants because of the matchup, I like it just this game likely ends up being a pass for me. Are you interested in the teaser leg there, Hitman, for the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to talk anybody out of uh, an advantage teaser, and especially in a game where the total is 40, 40 and a half or so. So uh, I'm never going to talk somebody out of that personally. I found some other legs to be more appealing, the Jacksonville leg, um, the Atlanta leg, uh, the Denver leg, uh, and maybe one or two more. But there's a lot of good teaser options this week, and I I wouldn't be opposed to anybody that did take this one. Gotcha. And uh, T.A., we mentioned on day-to-day yesterday that you were looking at the Giants in a teaser because, like Hitman said, it's an advantage play. Um, Based on some of this news, of course, with Evan Neal practicing in full, uh, still a lot of things to, to figure out for the Giants in terms of health. The commanders will looking like they'll be missing their number two cornerback, Benjamin St. Juice, but it's not like the Giants have a plethora of outside receivers due to injuries, unfortunately. Uh, are you still thinking that the Giants are a teaser leg you're looking at, or are you looking to bet this game in a different way? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. <laughs> it's like I said, it's not like Hitman said, it's not the uh, the highest on my list. There's other teaser legs. Um you know, I'll probably just sit this one out, to be honest. Uh, they just they just don't have the weapons on offense um, to separate. And so, like, it's just it's just hard for me to – and the Giants, again, like I've talked about – you probably weren't here, actually. Uh, you know, I was one of the few people who actually had – I had the Giants uh, making the playoffs. I have a Giants ticket uh, uh, over seven uh, win total. I have, I have a lot of Giants futures. So I was as pro-Giants coming into the season as you'll find – uh, from a future perspective, but even I know that they've totally outplayed their, um, you know, their actual quality of team. It's just been really schedule and luck based. So, you know, they are essentially a fade team from a, from a numbers perspective. I mean, they, they've completely overachieved. So um, from that perspective, I'm not dying to back them um, at the same time. You know, I don't think the commanders deserve to be, I mean, the, the commanders were, they closed three, three and a half uh, against Houston on the road two weeks ago. Now they're two and a half here in, in New York are telling me the giants and the Texans are you know almost the same team. That doesn't seem right. So I think from a line line perspective, I think that the, the giants are, are probably the right side, but you know um, you know, we're not at a key number. So it's not as you essentially, you're probably going to need the giants to win here. Um, and so like, to me, it's more of just a stay away uh, at this point. I don't really have a great angle either way. Now, if the giants got all of those offensive linemen back, you know, then maybe we're talking, you know, and you get Aziz Al-Ajari back, you know, maybe, um, you know, I'll have a better idea uh, of taking the Giants. But, you know, as of now, I'll probably just pass. 
Yeah, no, certainly agree. Again, huge game for postseason implications for both of these teams. Washington has a bye next week, and then they play the Giants again in D.C. So we could see how that line shifts based on how this matchup transpires on Sunday. But should be a fun game nonetheless. Now moving to another game with some underlying storylines, of course, the Houston Texans hosting the Cleveland Browns in Deshaun Watson's first game since he's been reinstated from his suspension. Of course, he missed all of last season as well. Of course, the Houston Texans look like they're dead in the water, and they are dead in the water. I mean, they're clearly the worst team in the National Football League. Right now, the Browns are laying seven on the road, and the total is sitting at 46 and a half. We'll go to UTA. Of course, this Watson has not played. Brissette did a great job in relief of him to start this season. Are you expecting some rust? Like, I, I don't even know how to, like, kind of quantify that. Obviously, Watson's the better player, but it's been so long. How are you viewing this one, T.A.? Yeah, this is, uh, this is, again, I talked about some great storylines. This obviously is at the top. Um, I'm excited from a Browns fan perspective to see this offense with Deshaun Watson. You know, I posed a question on Twitter earlier today, like when's the last time we've seen an elite quarterback and an elite, you know, running back combo with, with Watson and Chubb here? You know, how often do you see that? You, you just never do. So this this offense with a good offensive line, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, you know, Kevin Stefanski is a really good offensive coach. Like this could be an elite offense. Um, you know, the defense still stinks. And we know that the Texans defense is complete sieve. So, you know, there are scenarios where if Watson doesn't have rust and they, you know, they're essentially clicking on both the run game and the, and the pass game. It's like, who do you, you pick your poison as a defense? Like there are scenarios where the Browns could win this thing by, you know, four touchdowns. So like, you know, but there are also scenarios where, you know, he hasn't played in two years. We have no, we have no prior examples of a situation like this where uh, a star player, a quarterback hasn't played in multiple years and it's not because of injury and he's on a new team. Like how in the world do you handicap that? I have, I mean, I'm not touching this game with a 10 foot pole because anything is possible. Um, but if I were, it would be just maybe for fun. I would look at some, kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, long tail uh, outcomes for the Browns and maybe see if there's any of these, you know, monster blowout situations, you know, 28 plus point, uh, uh, you know, get really good plus money um, in case things do click and they are just an unstoppable offense and, and the Texans have no no choice to, you know, no chance to stop them. So that's the only way I look at it. I mean, defensively, I will say the Texans can run the ball on this Browns defense. They, you know, one of the worst defenses from a, a run defense that we've seen in a, uh, in a long time. And Damian Pierce is a good running back. And the, and the games that the Houston's been able to essentially stick around against the Chargers, against the Eagles, it's when they were, you know, those teams can't stop the run either. So there is a scenario where, you know, Pierce can run the ball and they control it a little bit. They don't need to, to rely on Kyle Allen, who was pretty terrible last week. Uh, I mean, he had five turnover-worthy plays last week, which is just an incredible number. Um, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, yeah, Houston could stick around. So that's why I, I'm not going to touch that side. It's just, you know, look at some of the long-tail outcomes with with the Browns on an on a upside from a blowout perspective. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you where no outcome of this game would shock me, whether it be the Browns shut them out and win by, you know, double digits, or even if the Texans make this a ball game, I would not be shocked either way. Hitman, have you been able to, you know, obviously tough, try to quantify this Watson insertion into the Browns offense, or are you feeling similarly to T.A. here? So every week I'm naming a bunch of games, and I'm like, oh, I like this in a teaser. I like this in a teaser. 
like this advantage teaser. You know, this is one game I'm going to tell you not to tease. And the reason that I have no interest in a, this game in a teaser is exactly what TA was talking about. There's just a lot of variance in this game. Uh, as far as the Cleveland side goes, there's variance with Watson. I mean, he hasn't played a game in over two seasons for, for in the NFL. And there's a possibility of rustiness. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I know Watson just started practicing two weeks ago or something, but Jacoby Brissett had to get his reps also to prepare mm-hmm. for the game. So it's just a guy that has not had much playing time, and it's just going to lead to variance. Plus you have the fact that this is Houston. This is their home run game. Like if you had to think mm-hmm. about one game where the crowd is going to be more engaged than they've been all season, where the players are – in a game where they know the spotlight's going to be on in this game and they, they get up for a game, especially off an embarrassing performance last week, this would be the game. So don't got much of an opinion, uh, um, but I will say that this is a game that I know a lot of people are going to look to do those, the teasers through seven through three. To me, there's too much variance in this game to tease it. So I, it's a pass all around for me. And very much understandably so. So many factors at play here. And just we'll see how we – no need to hop on the Watson back in the lineup train now. We can see how it goes and how this Brown season ends up transpiring. But nonetheless, a very interesting game on the board. But moving on to another game, the last game of the 1 p.m. slate, the Chicago Bears hosting the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers made it clear that he will be playing in this matchup. The Bears dealing with some – more injuries on their defense that's already depleted and one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. So will Rodgers get right and move the football or the Bears if Fields is playing? You know, the Packers defense isn't so great right now either. I'm sure they can move the football. The Packers open as four and a half point favorites and it's sitting around there now. Some fives out there and some threes. So, you know, a lot of ways to bet this game if you're looking to find as much value as possible as you always should total 42 and a half opened sitting really 43 and a half now we'll go back to you hitman Aaron Rodgers against the Bears we know how he normally does in those matchups but are you viewing this game differently now compared to how bad the Packers have been as well as also how Justin Fields when healthy can kind of spark this Bears offense here and there no I mean I think Green Bay matches up well against Chicago and I mean, there's one way to play this game. It's you probably you get the Fields news and you try to bet Green Bay as much as possible before this line gets around six or maybe north of six. So I, I don't know what I, I don't think Fields is going to play because from what I've read, this is an injury that it doesn't get much better after one week. So if you didn't play after against the Jets last week, there's really no sense in playing the next week because I think it was really an organizational decision from Chicago not to play fields. Like he probably could have toughed it out and played, but with the season now gone, there, there's just no point to risk it. So from what I've read, not much usually changes the week after. So I don't think fields is going to play. If you want to try to jump the gun and, and bet green Bay before the line moves, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but that, that's the way I would play it. It's green Bay or nothing right now. Yeah, I can totally agree with you there. TA and I spoke on day to day yesterday how we were both staring at Packers minus two and a half, but we didn't know Rodgers for sure, Fields for sure. We slept and that line moved on us, unfortunately. But now with the four and a half, 
the Rodgers solidified and hearing that Fields is probably unlikely to play. T.A., are you viewing this game differently in the last 24 hours, or how are you seeing this game now? No, I mean, I think if you didn't get the two and a half, you just um, kind of just have to sit it out. If you're thinking about Green Bay, um, you know, who even knows if Rodgers, you know, again, he might play, he may not be healthy, he may get knocked out. Um, yeah, I, honestly, what I would look towards, I don't care who the quarterback is, give me some some Christian Watson, you know, prop numbers, um, you know, maybe some uh, – lead the uh, NFL in receiving yards on Sunday type of long shot props. I mean, he's obviously a playmaker. He could take a slant 80 yards. This defense for the Bears, I mean, I've talked about the last few weeks. This is the worst pass defense I think I've ever seen, honestly. Um, Some of these numbers are just astronomical. I mean, their EPA per drop back uh, since week eight, which is I think week eight is when uh, Roquan Smith and uh, Robert Quinn were uh, were traded. I mean, .50. That is just, I can't even express to you that number. I mean, 31st is Jacksonville, 0.299. 30th is the Raiders at 0.295. They're at 0.5. Like, it's it's astronomical what um, what the Bears are allowing. The, they lose Eddie Jackson, their only competent um, remaining player on that defense. Uh, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, they're two young rookies. In the secondary missed last week's game with a concussion. They have not practiced yet. I'm assuming they're they're not going to play this week, most likely. Like there's no reason to risk those guys that the rookies. Like this defense is atrocious. So I don't care if it's Jordan Love. I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers. Like give me all of the Christian Watson uh, props that you can find for me. I'll take all the upside props. Lead the, like I said, uh, you know maybe he can get to 150 yards. Uh, like I think there's just with his big playability at this rate, like he's getting a 50 yard touchdown every, every single week. So why not uh, continue against the worst pass defense that we've seen in a long time? So um, that's really the only angle I'm looking at right now. Yeah, no, I can certainly see why Watson had that big breakaway run after the Jordan love pass to score a touchdown against Philly. And then like you mentioned that number for the bears pass defense, that that's ridiculous. Uh, Not a big game in terms of, playoff implication or anything there for the Packers Bears but Rodgers against the Bears is always a a fun thing to watch for all football fans as you know he likes to turn up in those games moving on to another matchup that just doesn't really have much on the slate one of the few games the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Seattle Seahawks Cooper Cup out Matt Stafford out Aaron Donald out number of players you name it besides Jalen Ramsey of any of the noteworthy players on the Los Angeles Rams team out the Seahawks open as four and a half point favorites now all the way up to seven, seven and a half point favorites. Understandably so. The total open 41 and a half and still sitting really 41, 41 and a half. Even if it's John Warford, Bryce Perkins, whoever it may be, the Rams seem to be dead in the water. We'll go to you. Oh, well, they are dead in the water. We'll go to you, Hitman. Seattle, teaser leg, spread. How are you viewing this? I tease Seattle. The Rams are just a completely dead team. There's one thing in the NFL that um, there's a term called dream crusher. And that's when a team has a dream and it gets crushed. Like for a team like the Rams, for example, they were dreaming of repeating as Super Bowl champs, making the playoffs. Like this is a team that had the highest of expectations coming into the season. And now with the season literally over and you're, you're putting out a practice squad offense like Bryce Perkins, Kyron Williams, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, their offensive line like that is a second string 
maybe third string preseason offense that the Rams are putting out there. And you just don't know what the motivation is with this team with Stafford could he Stafford could retire at the end of the year. Aaron Donald could retire at the end of this season. Sean McVay could be on television next year. See uh, the, the Rams are probably the most unbackable team in the NFL right now. I want, I want nothing to do with them. So I, I played Seattle on a teaser leg personally. Understandably, an advantage teaser leg there with Seattle going against this absolutely devastated Los Angeles Rams roster. Uh, sad to see, like Dan and I spoke about yesterday, the Rams have had such great injury luck, and it's all coming crashing down at one time with all their high-priced superstars. Uh, TA, talk to me. Seattle teaser under. Where are we looking here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much of an opinion here. I, I will say I, I'm I'm always um, nervous about uh, fading a team like the Rams. You know, I know you say they're it's a dream crusher and they're dead, but that's it, they're dead to the star players on the team. But guy like Bryce Perkins is playing for his NFL life, so he's going to play hard. You know, Van Jefferson, Skoranek, McCutcheon, who was a preseason star. Like those guys are going to play their asses off because this is their one shot um, to stay in the NFL and to get a get get a contract next year. So, and they played hard last week. I mean, against the Chiefs, they were. I mean, they were down what ten points in, in the fourth quarter. They only lose you know twenty six ten. Like they weren't completely. It wasn't a complete blowout. So they are playing hard, and so that's the only nervousness. I would never lay uh, over a touchdown with the Seattle team, especially with the defense they have. I mean, I mean, you could there are there are ways that the Rams could put up, uh, you know, seventeen points here, and then it's you know really difficult to cover that number if you're Seattle. But I think yeah, if you're going to look at this, it has to be a teaser leg. Um, I would never lay the eight, but um, from a teaser perspective, I think that that's the only way to look. But I, I personally, like I said, I think they're uh, a couple other teaser legs I like a little bit more, so um, I'm going to pass on this one. Understandably so, just a not a great look for the Los Angeles Rams. But moving on to arguably the best game on the slate on Sunday, definitely a top three game, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Miami Dolphins, two heavyweights within their own conference, and we should be in for a great one. This open at San Francisco minus four. Now we're seeing a bunch of four sitting there, a three and a half here and there. The total 46, now it is still sitting 46, 46 and a half, and kind of bouncing up and down, but staying pretty true to that opening line. We'll go with you again here, T.A., where do you think this line is going to go, and uh, what are you thinking about this matchup? I've heard uh, you know some sharp money on both sides, so I think it's kind of bouncing back and forth. Uh, to me, man, I wish if Taron Armstead was playing, and it looks like he's not going to play, um, I would have looked to Miami. I would have looked to the over because I think the San Francisco defense, as good as they've played, a little bit overrated. They really haven't faced a ton of great offenses. I mean, when they did face a good offense in the, in the Chiefs, they got absolutely um, exploited. I mean, the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't put up a big number. They put up one of the best EPA games they've had all season um, against the Niners. So um, I, I think, you know, not to call the Niners fraudulent defense or not. They're, they're, they're probably, you know, uh, top three in the NFL. They just haven't faced many good uh, passing offenses. So I did want to see a healthy Miami offense against them because, you know, I'm not sure their corners can hold up against these guys, uh, against Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, but without... I mean, you go from Taron Armstead, who's one of the top 10, uh, maybe top five tackles in the NFL, to Greg Little. Greg Little, who has had a number of horrible seasons with the Panthers um, and Miami now. I mean, he is – I'm looking at – eight. Uh, I've got a database of 84 
qualified tackles this season. He ranks 83rd in pressure rate, 82nd in PFF grade, 78 in run grade. Um, I, I think I saw a stat where uh, in in snaps that Armstead's been off the field so far this season. Uh, Tua has seen a 50% pressure rate. I, I have to I have to double check that because that's a staggering number. And against maybe the best pass rush in the NFL, and you're going to have uh, Nick Bosa over there. Like, look out. I mean, Miami, as good as their offense is, you got to have a little bit of time to be able to uh, get the ball down the middle of the field uh, where, where they like to throw it. So, I mean, without that time and, and with all that pressure, I, I really think that they're going to, you know, have a hard time moving the ball. And it's a shame because I really wanted to see this matchup. So, for me, I'm passing, um, uh, but I think it'll be a fun game. I think both, obviously, both coaches know each other. So, it'll be interesting to see how they scheme that. Uh, I think both teams are just going to want to run the ball on each other. <laughs> like they're going to try to outsmart and say, "Look, we, you know, the, the other the other side knows what I'm going to do, so let's try to run the ball." I think Miami, I think with Mike McDaniel, will try to run a little bit or just quick screens because of that uh, left tackle issue. And I think Austin Jackson, by the way, the right tackle is going to be out too, so they're having a whole lot of trouble uh, around the the bookends there. So um, no play for me, but uh, should be a fun game at least. Well, certainly, of course, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, came under the tutelage of Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach. So these guys know each other inside and out. So it'll be, like you said, very interesting to see if they try to see which one is the bigger brain during this matchup. But Hitman, you have anything concrete on this one or how are you viewing this game? I was all ready to play over in this game. Um, over the past over a month, Miami's third in the NFL in scoring rate per drive. San Francisco's fifth. And it, it's a low total for the, the way these offenses have played at 46, 46 and a half. So I was all ready to play over. And then, like TA was saying, the Dolphins without Armstead, without him on the field this year, the, the pressure rate allowed goes from 27 to 51%. Like it's absolutely an astronomical loss. And then plus you have Debo Samuel, maybe he's still not a hundred percent with the hamstring Christian McCaffrey, not a hundred percent. His backup Elijah Mitchell is now out. So, so some injuries happen to these offenses that probably will end up talking me out of a game that otherwise I would have really liked towards the over. I'll probably I'll say I have a slight lean towards the over, but I, probably ultimately do not end up firing. Yeah, no, completely understand there. Those injuries always something to monitor in these NFL games because they greatly will change the outcome of some of these matchups. But nonetheless, that game should be a treat for all NFL fans and betters this Sunday. Moving to the 425 slate, Raiders hosting the Chargers AFC West matchup. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers coming off that win in Arizona wasn't pretty, but they were able to get it done at the last second. The Raiders, back-to-back OT wins. That Josh Jacobs run was gigantic. He had a monster performance, something for the ages. Chargers sitting right now at two, one, one and a half, depending where you're looking. So very short road favorites in this game. Total open 49, a lot of 50 and a halfs out there right now, even some 51s. Back to you, Hitman, Chargers, Raiders, anything you're looking at here? I don't got much on this one. I think the line's close to right. Um, I will say that uh, a lot of people, I, I feel like it hasn't been talked about much, but Josh Jacobs with the calf injury, like these injuries can linger. And what he did last week was a pretty heroic effort from him. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm not even certain he's going to play. And if he does play, I think that he could be uh, affected by it pretty uh, greatly. So that's just a caveat I'll put. Uh, I'll lean towards the Chargers just because Jacobs and Adams are essentially the entire Raiders offense. But it probably ends up being a pass. Josh Jacobs really fit in that weapon mold. Of course, he's a primary running back, but he can do a lot of things for that offense in Las Vegas. Talk to me, T.A. What are you thinking about this matchup? Yeah, we, we talked about the Jacobs yesterday and uh, on the injury show, and you know he's a big key against the Chargers defense that doesn't stop the run. Um, so if he doesn't play or if he's hampered, you know what do you have? Thirty-seven carries last week, whatever the number was. Like that's and, and the the Raiders are playing back-to-back road overtime games. Like I looked at it, looked it up. There's only been uh, eighteen instances in the regular season where teams played back-to-back uh, road OT games um, and then didn't have a bye the next week. Those teams are 8-10 and 10 against the spread, so it's not like they've you know really underperformed, but uh, just interesting from a stamina standpoint, you know, as you get later in the season, I, I just, I think what I know about this game is this is going to be a one-score outcome one way or the other. Like, these teams have played tw- uh, 22 games and 16 of them combined have been um, one score. Uh, between the two teams like that's that's what they are that neither team can play defense especially defending the pass um you know the, the raiders are dead last in, in pass defense uh chargers aren't much better they're they're one of the worst against the run so uh, there's going to be plays to be made on both sides uh, but i i personally am personally not going to really uh, touch this i think for now i mean things could change but uh, i could see this go either way i think it's you know it's just going to be a tight matchup and it's kind of one of those who has the ball last potentially could, could win and cover. Um, I, I don't think there's any great angle here. It's funny, my numbers, even though obviously the Chargers, uh, some of their season-long numbers aren't as, you know, they don't tell the full story since, you know, there's uh, been so many games without uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, et cetera. But my numbers have the Raiders as, as the favorite here. So, wow. I mean, from a number standpoint, I would have the Raiders, but I, I just can't pull the trigger uh, with the, the spot after the back-to-back uh road ot games and then with with jacobs being hobbled so um you know for now it's a no play but that could be another teaser leg if you can get you can get seven and a half eight and a half for the raiders that, that's another teaser leg to take a look at definitely seems like that seven and a half could be widely available that eight and a half certain shops so make sure you take a look shop around use bet stamp and find that best line for yourself headed to this matchup Again, arguably the best game on the slate. I am beyond excited for the Cincinnati Bengals to host the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of this AFC Championship game. The Bengals had a huge win against the Titans last week, and even without Mixon and Jamar Chase, their offense was still buzzing. Kansas City Chiefs, of course, 9-2, playing fantastic Mahomes. The Mahomes looking like a clear-cut MVP possible candidate, unsurprisingly so, of course. Right now, the Chiefs are laying two, two and a half, one and a half, depends where you're looking. So, again, a short road favorite, the Kansas City Chiefs, headed to Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. Back to you, Hitman. Chiefs, Bengals. How are you viewing this one? Great game to watch. Don't got much from a, a betting standpoint. Um, I, I think <laughs> this is going to sound square, but the over, maybe yeah. the only way that I could play. This game, I mean, it, it's so square, and it, the total has been bet up, but it's, it's now getting the chase back, and it's 
that, that's the only direct direction I, I could look, but I probably won't end up having a play in this. Yeah, gotcha. Jamar Chase is probable toll open 52, up to 53, 53 in it, 52 and a half, 53 at some shops. So definitely <laughs> sounds like the squarest play on the board. And hate to be on that side, of course, but you know, sometimes the public does get lucky here and there. TI, how are you viewing this any differently? Do you like a side here or if it's total or bust? No, I mean, these are, to me, these are the second and third best teams in the AFC. Um, and so, you know, with Chase back, you never know how he's going to – the fact that he, he thought he was going to go last week then pulled out last minute because he couldn't – he didn't feel comfortable. Like, I'm not sure he's going to get a full allotment of snaps. So, I don't know if he's necessarily a game – you know, he's going to move the needle too much in this game. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. And I think the Bengals have played pretty well on defense, you know, I'm not sure I would take the over here. Um, but again, I, I don't like taking, I don't like fading that and taking the under um, against these two quarterbacks and against uh, the teams that rank uh, number one and number two in neutral game pass rates. So um, those, that's not exactly the, the spot I'd want to look at. Uh, I, like to me, I think the Bengals are the better team or not the better team. I think from the better side perspective, um, you know, if I were to pick a side, but I don't, I don't have anything right now. Um, I know that it was on three. It got pushed down to two and a half with some sharp money. And, you know, I think that the Bengals, you know, Lou Amarito does a, the DC has done a nice job against Mahomes in the past. Um, and I think that he's got a, a pretty good formula. Uh, and I think that, uh, I think Samaj Piran by, by the way, is, is not much of a drop off of any from Joe Mixon. He's the number one DVOA pass, uh, catching running back uh, in the NFL. And we saw you, you know, a couple of catches last week. I had a, a prop on him in the, over receiving yards at hit. He, had, he ran the ball pretty well against the number one uh, ranked Titans run defense. So, you know, I don't think like that's an issue if Mixon plays or not, but um, yeah, I, I think this is a, a good matchup. And if I had to, I would take the Bengals, but uh, I have not fired on anything here. Certainly seems like one of those games where you should just sit back on the couch, get some Buffalo wings and, you know, just watch this matchup unfold. It should be, a great one. Moving to Sunday primetime. Can we get the Colts off primetime, please? We have them again. We watched them on Monday lose the Steelers. Now they head to Dallas to take on the Cowboys as 11, 10 and a half point underdogs in Jerry World. Uh, total open 44, 10 to 43 and a half. Back to UTA. Cowboys, Colts is 11 too many, considering even how bad this Colts team is. And I'm sure the Cowboys get pressure on them or. You just uh, how you viewing this one? I haven't taken it yet, but I'm I, I'm getting to the point. What are we eleven and a half? I'm I'm gonna uh, likely uh, pull the trigger on the Colts here soon. I think this number is egregious. Um, it's really just a matter of <clears throat> how much do, do the Colts care? I mean, they, they looked a little dead in the water, especially to start the game against the Steelers. Um, you know, they didn't make the nice comeback. I think this is, you know, with, I think Jeff Saturday is good enough uh, from a motivation standpoint. Matt Ryan's a professional. I think they will come back. I think this line is crazy. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, based on my model, this thing is so far off my numbers. Um, now, again, some of the some of my numbers include um, uh, the Cooper Rush uh, uh, statistics, but I don't come anywhere close to 11, 11 and a half here. Uh, it's just a matter of how much uh, motivation there is with the Colts. So, you know, I think the Colts play do good defense. Uh, they're going to keep them in this game no matter what. Like, they're not going to get – they're not going to allow – you know, this isn't a Houston Texans situation. Like, you've got a really good defense in the Colts who can at least hang in there. Um, it's just a matter of how much can they handle the pressure 
from that front because uh, that's the issue. I mean, Matt Moran is statue. So, you know, is he going to get strip sacked multiple times? Like that's the only fear. But I think if, if they limit the turnovers, I think they can stay in this game. So, um, you know, uh, to me, it's Colts or nothing. Uh, I, I think this line is a little bit egregious. I can certainly see why you feel that way. Hitman, you agree? Yeah, this line's gotten too big. And I, I might might ultimately end up betting it, but just my, my devil's advocate concern is just the pass rush against mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. I mean, he's he's a sitting duck in the pocket against his pass rush. But, I mean, the Colts, they can run the ball on Dallas. So, you know, maybe even a first-half look is maybe a little better yeah. just because in the first half you know the Colts – are probably not going to have to get away from the run where they could get away from the run in the second half, and that's when a lot of the Matt Ryan turnovers happen. But definitely think there is some value to the Colts. Yeah, concern. Yeah, I will say, sorry not to interrupt, just, just you know, since Dak has been back, look at the defenses they've faced. I mean, their, their offense has been great, but they faced the Lions, the Bears, the Packers, Minnesota, and the Giants. Like, those, are, the, those defenses rank 32nd, 30th, 24th, 16th, 25th. Uh, in EPA, uh, you've got a Colts defense that's eighth right now. So this is a little bit of a, a shock to the system. Um, he's not going to get anything he wants from Dak. Um, and we even saw against the Giants, who's probably the best defense they've faced since he's been back. They, they kept that game close with no weapons on offense, really. So, you know, you could see a similar type of game, um, kind of a, a knock them, drag them out type of game. And, you know, you just need you just need Matt Ryan to, to hit a couple of, uh, you know, crossers to, to Pittman and to uh, um, uh, Paris Campbell, maybe Jonathan Taylor breaks one and just don't turn the ball over. And I think they can hang in there. So uh, just from a perspective of, you know, Dak hasn't faced a good defense in a long time. I think since the opener, you know, when they faced Tampa and they scored three points, Tampa's ninth in EPA. So that's the best, uh, probably the closest comp at this point. So uh, that, that's, you know, that's where we stand with the, you know, with this Colts defense and the Cowboys. Totally agree. We'll see if some more money comes in on the Colts and that number gets bet down. But I have to agree that 11 and a half, 11 is just way too many points. But moving on to the last and final game, Monday Night Football, Tom Brady and the Bucks hosting Andy Dalton and the New Orleans Saints. This line opened at Buccaneers minus six and is now down to Buccaneers minus three and a half, minus four, depending on where you look. Yes, the Saints had a – they lost to the 49ers last week, but there were a couple of Kamara fumbles. It didn't seem like the Saints played all too poorly against the great 49ers defense despite the box score and that final score. Back to UTA, Saints, Bucks. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I already have some five-and-a-half for the Saints. I just missed the six, but um, I'm okay with five-and-a-half. You know, now that it's down to four, like that is um, – that's probably the absolute cutoff. Um, I, I just think that the I can't believe that the the <laughs> line opened six. Um, the way that the Bucks have played, I mean, look, I, I I was on the Bucks last week against the Browns, and you know they easily could have covered that. But this this is it. Like I think at some point, yet you, you had to get rid of your priors. You know, forget about what the Bucks have been in the past, what Tom Brady is, and just look at this season. And they are not. I mean, they are um, an average team at best at this point. And if if they're, you know, if you didn't know anything uh, in the past and you just looked at what, what these two teams have done this year, there's no way you could have gotten to six or even five and a half. Um, so, you know, I think from that perspective, there was value on the Saints. You know, you look at uh, 
from a, a defensive perspective, I mean, Dennis Allen owns Tom Brady. Like that's, it's just continues to happen every time those two, uh, they match up. Um, you know, the, the saints have had really good success against Brady. And then now they're, they're going to have to deal with the saints without Tristan Worfs. Uh, they're really only legit offensive lineman left. Uh, he's out of this game. So, I mean, I think they're going to be able to get pressure on Brady. I was on the saints last week. I'll tell you the saints uh, getting 10 against the Niners that was one of the most frustrating games I've ever watched as a better. Every time I looked up, the Saints were moving the ball in the Niners. Um, they were inside the 40. I think they're inside the 40 five or six times and either you know took a sack or a penalty to the punt or got down inside the 10. And then they had multiple turnovers. They missed a field goal. It was awful. I mean, they outgained the, the, the Niners 4.9 to 4.7 yards per play. Like that game was... You know, I wouldn't call it even, but you know, Niners probably should have won by three, three to six points, and and since easily should have covered. And if that was the case, you never would have opened this at six. You probably would have opened this at four. Um, the fact that they got shut out, you know, it looks a lot worse than it really was. So I think for all that, I mean, yeah, Andy Dalton primetime sucks, but you know, Tom Brady's two and fourteen against the spread in his last sixteen primetime games. So you got two quarterbacks who don't play well in primetime, so they kind of negate each other. Um, so I, I just think the matchup. I think the fact that this, you know, Saints defense got all and we got most of their pieces back last week. And I think they're going to get Marshawn Lattimore back, who has historically owned uh, Mike Evans. We'll see. Uh, I thought he was going to be back last week, but, um, you know, hopefully back this week. Uh, they're flying around there. They, they, they shut down a really good Niners offense. So uh, I just think the matchup, I think the fact that the Bucks just can't move the ball and now you lose your best offensive lineman. Um, I think that the Saints here, um, are the play even like I said four is probably the cutoff, but I think that there's still some value there. Got to still some fours around, so you're looking to get that. You certainly probably still can. Hitman, you agree? Yeah, uh, the Saints were one of my favorite plays of the year when they opened up at six. So uh, at four, and I do think that we might see some money come in on Tampa, or at least potentially a release on Tampa that that could move the line to, to four and a half. So if that does happen, then I, I think the Saints, there's clear value uh, on them. Even at the current number right now at four, I think there's value on them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Lattimore coming back is huge. The Saints underratedly are getting a lot of guys back. And Mike Evans is, I mean – He's probably going to get locked up by Lattimore as he usually does. Godwin is a good matchup for the Bucks, but that's really all they have. And as TA said, without Tristan Wirfs, that's a huge loss mm-hmm. for them. So, yeah, for me, it's the Saints in a, in a series that they've fared very well in. It's I like the Saints. Even at three and a half, I would play the Saints, honestly. Anything over a field goal, I think that the Saints have value. I mean, Tampa's won three games since week two. Um, they won by six against Atlanta at home, by three against the Rams at last second drive, by five against Seattle. Like, I just don't understand. I mean, I know this is, this is all priors. That's the only reason that they're that they are, are getting this much respect. If you're looking at anything from this season, there is no way that they should be laying uh, more than you know three and a half here. Um, it's purely a, a respect thing for Tom Brady. Um, and, and the prior prior numbers here. That's the only thing that, that gets you to this point. Yeah, certainly understand and certainly agree. Looking forward to that matchup on Monday Night Football. And that will conclude 
edge rush for week 13 we'd like to thank you ta and hitman for all the insight and analysis some amazing stuff as always please remember to follow us at the hammer hq on twitter you can follow ta at cleave ta you can follow hitman at, at hitman 428 and myself at slime action make sure to leave a like and review and comment that's the best way to help our podcast grow we truly appreciate you guys best of luck on your bets this week we'll see you again next week